Good morning, everyone. My name is Troy. I'm one of the leaders here and have the great privilege, actually, of going down to Wauwatosa this afternoon. I had some doctors call me. Uh, they meet together and they're praying through how, um, how God might be calling them globally to serve. And so I get to uh, teach a perspective lesson to them this afternoon. So it's just really cool timing. You're going to hear a lot more about perspectives because as we ramp up to January, we want to we continue to press us as a family to go in that direction. Um, we're going to take an offering at this time. And if you're visiting with us this morning, this offering is not intended for you. What you can do is you can take a Connect card and fill that out and put that in the offering. Just let us know you were here. But uh, our, one of our ways that we do this is we take an offering so we can continue to be a part of what God's doing locally and globally. And uh, this morning, I am a little wound up. I don't, I don't, I'd like to tell you I'm, I'm, on, I'm on some coffee, but I'm not. I haven't had any coffee this morning. I'm just really excited about uh, this series and this message this morning. So if I'm a little bit, if I talk even faster than I normally do, it's just because I'm really excited about this series that we're in called Ethos. We are in week uh, three of four weeks as we are unpacking our new mission statement. Now, we've, we've been two weeks into it already, so I want to test you this morning. You're at nine o'clock. You're usually the folks that are on it. So I want to test you to see, has this stuck? Has this stuck so far? The mission of Kettlebrook Church, can you guys help me out? We are a... We're a family of followers of Jesus doing what? Helping others follow Jesus. Yeah, you don't know that part yet. It's the third week. That's okay. It's all right. That's where we're at today. Okay, we look at our mission statement like this on this next slide. It's a family of followers of Jesus helping others follow Jesus. And the first part we talked about a couple weeks is that we are a family. That is our gospel position. That God the Father makes us his children and we become family. The next part we talked about last week was that we're not just family, we're a family of followers of Jesus. It's our gospel posture. It's the way in which we want to live and breathe and speak and share. And then lastly, what we're talking about today is that we're helping others follow Jesus. That is our gospel purpose. And if you're here this morning, I want you to know this. Deep in our hearts, we want you to join in on this mission. We're going to join in this mission. Now, I can tell you this. It may not be, it will not be easy, it will not be safe, it will not be comfortable, but it will be worth it. It will be worth it. It's worth our risk, it's worth our time, it's worth our energy, it's worth our lives. About a month ago, uh, I was able to take our four littlest children down to Six Flags for the first time. Okay, They had not been there, but they had earned some free passes from school or something. So we wanted to take advantage of uh, the, the free passes, and we went down to Great America with some friends of ours and their kids as well. And so um, as we get down there, we're kind of trying to plan out. We were there when the park opened, right? So we're trying to plan out which ride are we going to go on first, because as you know, the lines can get really long. And so we're like, we've got to make this first one count. We looked online, found the reviews, and we found that there was this ride that Steph and I had not even been on called Goliath. It was a wooden roller coaster, a new one we hadn't seen. We're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to run back to this. And we're trying to measure everybody, and we're like, oh, darn it. Everyone can get on it except Ephraim. Even with his hair froed, as high as we could throw it, he could not get on that ride. And it's just, he's just not quite tall enough yet, but next time. So everyone else is going to be able to get on this ride. So we're literally, park opens and we start like jogging, right? We're jogging to the back of the park. It used to be where the Iron Wolf was, which is a horrible ride. Anyway, this is a new ride. Anyway, so we get in there. We didn't have time to think about the ride, look at the ride. We just got in line and we were like on the first or second car, okay? And so I'm on the car with my son Isaac. He's eight years old. And so, you know, we're going up the incline, right? We're going up the incline. I'm like, this is a, this is a fairly steep incline, you know? And I'm like, this is, so, so let me show you the drop. This is, it's, it is, it is 85 degrees. 
it's you know that 90 is straight up, right? It is 85 degrees. And so um, usually on these rides, I've got my hands in the air. I'm like, wow. And so I'm like, yeah. and I, I look over at my son, Isaac. He's just like, and, and so we go on this ride the whole time and we get done. It comes, and I look over at Isaac. He goes, dad, I didn't breathe the whole time. And I was like, what are you talking about? That was so lame. It was so easy. You know, I'm sweating, we're shaking, but we're smiling. And so at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, buddy, what, what, was, your, what was your favorite ride? We're asking what was your favorite ride. I was like, Isaac was like, Dad, Goliath, that was amazing. That was my favorite ride. It's the best ride in the park, he said, Dad. Family following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus is the best ride you're ever going to get on. It's the best ride you're going to get on. There's going to be times where you feel like you can't breathe. There's going to be times where you're literally feeling like you're careening to your death, maybe. Like at an 85 degree angle. There's going to be times where you scream like me, like I was screaming like a little girl. Okay? Make a face. But here I'm convinced about this. When the ride comes to a full and complete stop, you will experience joy like you've never experienced because you've been part of God's plan, the grace adventure, which is following Jesus and helping others do the same. It's what we're made for. It's what you're made for. So let's take a look at this together. It's our gospel purpose. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 is on page 842 in the Brown Bibles. You should have them underneath your chairs. would strongly encourage you to take a Bible and open it up to this. Uh, this uh, letter, 2 Timothy. We're going to just read two verses here this morning. But um, to give you a little bit of context there, Timothy is a letter. It's a personal letter actually written by a guy named Paul. Now, Paul was a guy who hated Christians, wanted to exterminate them, but met the resurrected Jesus Christ and became the greatest ambassador for Jesus uh, that the world had known at that time. And so he wrote a letter to a young man. Do you guys want to guess what the young man's name was? Oh, you're on it. Timothy. Good work. Okay. Now, Timothy was a guy, ironically, who had a rich heritage of faithfulness. If we look in chapter 1 of, uh, of this uh, second letter that Paul wrote, you're going to find that there was this gal named uh, Lois. And Lois was Timothy's grandma. And Lois loved Jesus. And Lois shared her love of Jesus with her daughter, Eunice. And Eunice shared her faith and Jesus with her son Timothy, and then Paul came alongside in that. So not only do we, do we, are we going to read a text that talks about how we are to help others follow Jesus, we're going to read it, we're going to see it modeled in the life uh, of Timothy, who had this rich heritage that Grandma Lois passed on to Eunice, passed on to Timothy alongside Paul. And not only this, we find that Paul reiterates our vision when he opens this letter up. He says, to Timothy, my dear son. Just so you know, Timothy was not his biological son, so he's speaking in family terms. We see it right off the bat. we got family right here. Now, Timothy was sent by Paul to the city of Ephesus to help kind of uh, the, the followers of Jesus there. There were some leaders there who were doing some incorrect teachings about who Jesus was. So Paul says, hey, Timothy, I want you to go just make, get this right. Get this kind of fixed for me. And so he went there. Uh, and that's much of co- what's covered in 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy is a much more personal letter where Paul's writing from prison in Rome and he's saying, Timothy, you're a leader. Take, take that mantle, if you would. Be the leader that God's called you to be. And then he said, also, I want you to come to visit me in Rome in prison. This is kind of what we find in ch- uh, 2 Timothy. So we're going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Before we do that, take a breath here and I want to pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for these words that we are about to read. These words that help us link back 
to this mission that your son Jesus sent his disciples on to make disciples, followers who would make followers of Jesus, Lord, by your spirit. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, that it would not return void, and that we'd be obedient to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Second Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> you then, my son. There it is again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. It's just two verses, so I want to read it again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. This is God's word. Okay, now... Paul has our mission statement right there. It's right here. So he says, You then, my son, i.e. family, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus as you're following Jesus and pass on what's going to be passed on, what's going to be passed on to help others follow Jesus. Thanks for the mission statement, Paul. It's right here. Now there's a couple of things I want you to see, and I want your help on this. Take a look at verse 2. Take a look at verse 2. I want to ask you this. Um, how many generations of faith do we find in, uh, in verse 2. How many generations of people talking about Jesus do we find in verse 2? If you're looking at me, I want you to look at your Bible and then, and then shout them out to me. How many, do you, how many do you find? A number would be good. You can shout a number out. Three? Okay. Can I take... Is there any more? Is there three? Is there more than that? Are you confused? Okay, you're confused. Let me start with this. Now, I'm going to try this, see if this works. Who's the person writing the letter? Paul. Uh-oh. Let's try this. Do I have this? No. Oh. I'm supposed to do Telestrator on this. I'm just trying this out, folks. Give me a break. It's the first time. I'm going to see if we can use this for a whiteboard for, for future. Here we go. Um, now, so we have Paul. Let's try this. Ooh. Ooh. Now, who's, who's Paul sharing his faith with in this letter? Who has he shared his faith with? Timothy. All right. Now, who does he tell Timothy? What does he tell Timothy to do? With who? So, reliable men. And then what? What are those reliable men supposed to do? Share it with who? Others. So those of you who said four were correct. Ding, ding, ding. Okay? Now, we're going to go back because it didn't start with Paul, didn't end with Paul. It doesn't stop with others. We're going to go there. Okay? I just want to test that out. We've got new technology. Are you excited about that? Get ready for whiteboard action moving forward here. All right. <clears throat> so here, there's an assumption that what you, when you receive this good news, you're going to pass that on. Okay? And if we looked at 1 Corinthians, it's a different letter. Paul wrote to a different group of followers of Jesus at a different time a different city, you're going to find these words. Here's what he says. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So he says, hey, what I received. So it didn't start, start with Paul. Paul received it from Jesus and from Barnabas and a few other of the apostles. He received this. He says, What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Okay? And so he's saying, hey, when I pass this on... I pass it on because that's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to pass this on. It's good news. 
And so in 2 Timothy, again, if we were to look back in there, so you can leave that up for now. But in 2 Timothy, he says, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. What things is he talking about? Well, if you go back to 2 Timothy, he doesn't say it in 2 Timothy exactly right here. Here's what we find. These are the things. This is the gospel. Ready? Number one, that Christ, the Messiah, died for our sins. So that, that part of God's plan has been, that, hey, we are a sinful people. There's stuff in our hearts. And we deserve death as a result of sins that we commit in our lives. Everybody in the world, okay, does that. But he says, the good news is that Jesus died, the one who was sinless, died on our behalf. And he did so according to the scriptures because it wasn't a new idea. It's something that God had been planning from the beginning. It's part of the kingdom and the king who would come. So it was according to the scripture. And then he was buried. Then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Something else we knew was coming. He appeared to Peter and then to those 12 and 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom Paul says were still alive when he wrote that letter in 1 Corinthians. Now, this is good news. And he's saying this has to be shared. He says, the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust that to reliable men who will be able to then share it with others. Now, I want to talk about this word entrust. Sometimes we think about entrusting, we think about entrusting the most valuable possessions that we have. I want you to think of like, uh, Gandalf and Frodo, you know, in the ring, he comes back, he says, keep it secret, keep it safe. Like, entrust it, right? Some of you parents are here who you have, you've maybe, since you've had children, you've never gone on a date. And the reason why is because you don't entrust your kids to anybody because they're precious. I'm not, I'm not commenting on that, just to say, like, you're, these are your precious children, and you're like, we don't entrust them just to anybody. But here's the thing, that is, I don't think, the kind of meaning of entrust that Paul has in mind here. He's not like this. He's not saying, you know, do this. Here's how I think we know this. The same word is used by Jesus in a place where he is on the cross. Luke chapter 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commit, I entrust, I commend my spirit. Jesus' spirit's not fragile. What he's saying is that, Father, I give it over to you. Father, I give my, I give the Spirit over to you. Paul saying, Timothy, entrust, give that over. Give that over to others who would then give it over to others who would give, give it over to others again and again and again. One of the reasons you hear us talk about Sally all the time in Chad, Africa, one of the reasons we want to keep talking about that is because if you look at her, she's being persecuted and she just can't help but give it over. In the midst of being locked up, having food deprived, getting beaten, threatened, put in jail, she just continues to give it over. And that, that's what's getting her persecuted, is her giving over the message of the good news. But she can't help it, because it's good news. And you know what? The reason that you're sitting here today is because people have done that. It's because Timothy listened to Paul. Others, people, listened to Paul. They listened to what he's saying here, and they did what Jesus commanded. And they helped others follow Jesus. And so uh, I told you I was going to do this in a video. We don't have it done yet. I'm sorry, but I'm just so excited I can't wait to tell you. And so we're going to do it anyway, without a video. I want to walk back with you and go, how did you get in this room today? I want to show you how you got in this room today. I want to thank uh, the Village Church in Texas who gave me kind of the visual idea of this, as well as uh, Oliver Vogel who spoke this morning, who helped me, and Russ Wanta and Catherine Toby. You ready? They say you can't know where you're going unless you know where you've been. Here we go. In A.D. 30, in Jerusalem, 
Jesus, the Messiah, died on the cross. He was buried, but resurrected on the third day and he ascended into heaven. Praise God. Fifty days after Jesus' resurrection, the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, giving them power and purpose. Powered by the Spirit, Peter gave his first sermon and 3,000 hearts were transformed. Peter and John then continued to spread the gospel through preaching and miracles, and the church in Jerusalem grew by 5,000. In A.D. 31, a disciple named Stephen gave a powerful sermon, and an enraged crowd stoned him to death, making him the first Christian martyr. Around A.D. 34, on the road to Damascus, the Lord transformed the heart of Saul. We know as Paul the letter we're reading is written by him. Around 60 A.D., Paul traveled through Galatia, Phrygia, Ephesus, and Greece before traveling to Jerusalem where he was arrested, sent to Rome for trial, and two years later beheaded by Nero. Then over the course of 12 years, after, the gospel, after that, the gospel spread further to the countries of France and Tunisia. 20 years later, the first Christians were reported in Algeria and Sri Lanka. By A.D. 150, the gospel reached Portugal and Morocco. Christianity found its way to Austria in A.D. 174, followed by Switzerland and Belgium. In the late 6th century, there was a pope named Gregory I, who from Rome sent a man named Augustine and a team of missionaries to present-day England. And within the first year, they baptized 10,000 people. Why? Because they were followers of Jesus, helping others follow Jesus. Are you excited? Because I am. Maybe I'm just geeky about this. Here we go. In England, eventually, a man named William Carey was born. He would give his life to Jesus, to following Jesus and helping others follow Jesus. Eventually went to India to share the good news of the gospel there. He also formed something called the Baptist Missionary Society, which then influenced a group of women here in the Americas, in the colonies, who formed the Boston Congregational Mission Society. And after a few years, they eventually let the guys join in the fun. And they formed what was called the Massachusetts Domestic Society, which became the American Baptist Foreign Society, who was focused on, from the colonies, sending missionaries abroad. But as we, as a country, started to go west, the frontiersmen wanted to figure out how to bring the gospel west as well. So they then formed the Home Mission Society in the 1820s. Critical point in our history, the American Baptist Home Society sent a man by the name of the Reverend Richard Griffin from Granville, Massachusetts to the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. This was before we were a state, folks. He helped others follow Jesus on horseback from Green Bay to Galena. In the 1840s, he founded the First Baptist Church of Milwaukee. Forty years later, in 1881, a small group of followers of Jesus formed, or from First Baptist Church, started another mission church known as Garfield Baptist Church on Garfield Avenue. And in 1957, five families from Garfield Baptist began praying together about forming another body so others could help be followers of Jesus. And in 1958, their prayers were answered as they formed First Baptist Church of Brookfield. And in 1968, the church dropped its Baptist affiliation and name, became non-denominational, and took on a new name, Elmbrook Church. In 1985, a group of followers of Jesus in an effort to help others follow Jesus launched out from Elmbrook and formed Northbrook Church in Richfield. And in 2005, a couple of missionaries came back from Siberia. And with several other families from Northbrook began Kettlebrook Church in West Bend. In January of 2010, when the Jackson Community Center opened its doors, so did Kettlebrook's Jackson site. Isn't that awesome? We praise God. As 2,000 years, 2,000 years of history, it wouldn't be here if hundreds, if not thousands of followers of Jesus hadn't chosen to get on the ride, 
to be part of making history as God intended it. And I, I, I said, it doesn't mean it was going to be easy. People suffered. So our forefathers and foremothers died because of their faith. But they lived the adventure. They followed Jesus and helped others do the same. You know, that's why we're sending teams overseas so that those people there who don't know about Jesus, that we can support the teams there who are helping others to follow Jesus. That's why we're trying to figure out how to support Dave and, and, and Caleb Lasowski in Hartford as they and their team seek to help others follow Jesus in Hartford right here. And family, the narrative does not, it cannot stop here. It cannot. This is our chapter to write and we are going to do that as we live out our mission together. Amen? And so I want to be crystal clear about the vision. The goal here is that everyone, and I mean everyone, if you say, hey, I'm a part of Kettlebrook. If you say, Kettlebrook's my fa- family of faith. Let's even say, where I go to church. Okay? If I want to say everyone, we want you to be following Jesus, and we want you to be helping at least one other person follow Jesus. I want to say that again to make sure you got it. We want you to be following Jesus. We want you to be helping at least one other person follow Jesus. I hope that is crystal clear. And I know what you're going to say. Troy, I don't think I can do it. It's like you get in line for Goliath. And see, if we had gotten in line for Goliath and waited for an hour, I'm almost certain that all my kids would have said, "Mm mm-mm. Because they would have seen the drop, right? They would have talked themselves out of it. So you might be standing in line for Goliath going, "Mm, I can't, I can't do it. You might say, Troy, I, I don't know enough. Let me tell you something. You're right. You don't. You don't know enough. You can say, Troy, I'm not qualified. You're right. You're not. You can say, Troy, I I don't want to be a hypocrite. You're right. You're probably going to be a hypocrite. Here's the thing. I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to help other people follow you. I'm asking you to join as we help others follow Jesus. He knows everything. He's totally qualified. He's never a hypocrite. He's the one that we're pointing people to over and over and over again. And saying, hey, let's walk alongside others and say, hey, can you want to get, sit down? Let's put the lap bar down and buckle up. Let's go together. Now, I think I may have done this before. There's enough new people here in the room that you may have not seen me do this. And so if you've done this, seen me do this before, I don't care. Uh, anyway, so uh, I want you to think about this. This, these pieces of paper are steps, okay? If you would. And Jesus is out here. He's leading. He's leading us. And we want to follow after Him. We want to fix our eyes on Him, okay? And so what you do at some point, someone helps bring you along. And they say, I, I, I'm going to follow Jesus. And you step on this step. And you're looking at Him. And someone's helping draw you along. Once you've taken this step, folks, you're equipped to help people who are not on this step. You've, you, you've taken that step. And so you say, there's people all over here who haven't taken this step. I can help them. You do not have to be up here to do that. You don't have to be up here to do that. But we would be part of the process, looking at Jesus, we'd be helping people come along as we follow Him together. But sometimes I think we sound an awful lot like Moses. Are you familiar with Moses, folks? You've heard of Moses, right? Okay, okay, if you heard of Moses in the burning bush, you know that story? Have you heard of that story? Moses hears from God in this burning bush. You ever want to hear God audibly? This is a great narrative. God comes upon this bush, or Moses comes upon this bush, and God speaks to him. He says, Moses, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to free my people from Egypt. And so Moses, you would think he hears from God. He's like, all right, I'm going to go. You know what he does? He goes, um, who am I to go, God? Who 
Who am I to go? I will be with you, Moses. Well, what if they ask me who you are? What should I tell them? Tell them I am. That should do it. (laughs) What if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? What do you have in your hand, Moses? A stick? Yes. So God turns a stick into a snake, snake back into a stick. That might help. But I've never been a good speaker, God. I've just never been a good speaker. God's like, who made your mouth? Me! Now just go! And so Moses finally goes. Oh, you know what? He doesn't. After all that, he still doesn't. He says this. He goes, can you please send someone else? And then it says, and the Lord's anger burned against Moses. But that's what we do. This is what we do. God, I don't know enough. I have, don't you have to have the whole Bible memorized to help someone? No. God, I'm not a very good speaker. God, stop talking then. And listen. Let Jesus do the speaking. Let God do the speaking. What if they don't listen to me? That's not the goal. The goal is to get them to listen to Jesus. I'll give you an example. A friend of mine who's a neighbor lives right next door. And uh, we live there together. We're friends. And um, just a couple of weeks ago, I've been trying to, to help him come alongside him and follow Jesus for a long time. And he, he finally said, hey, I'll, I'll join this group. I, we have a group of guys that meets every other week. And we try to follow Jesus together. He said he'd join us. And so it's been a blessing to have him be a part of that. And so we're out. I was in the front yard maybe a week ago. And he came by and he says, hey, I got a spiritual dilemma for you. And I was like, okay, so tell me about it. So he tells me about this spiritual dilemma that he has. And so I'm just listening. And so I said, all right, here, Um, let's do this. Let's pretend that I'm not here. Let's just put Jesus right here. Let's just say Jesus was standing right here. I want to to ask you a question. What do you think Jesus would say to your dilemma? What do you think he might say? And so he thought about it. And he came up with a biblical theological answer to the question that he had asked. He knew the answer. What he didn't want to do is do it. Now, if he had come back and said, well, I think Jesus said, and it would have done this and something wrong, I would have had to kind of go, hey, let's look at Scripture and make sure that that's aligned with what, what Scripture reveals about who Jesus is. But see, here's the thing. He doesn't have to come to me and ask me what I think, because what I think doesn't matter. What Jesus thinks matters. That's where we have to point people to Jesus. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, entrust these things to reliable men. Please keep in mind, he doesn't say entrust. He doesn't really say here, he doesn't say entrust reliable men. You know why? Because men aren't reliable. Men fall. Men fail. It happens all the time. Except with one guy. Jesus. He's the one who doesn't fall. He's the one who doesn't fail. And so when Paul says entrust these things, he's saying entrust the gospel. Entrust the good news about Jesus. Entrust this message about Jesus onto others who will help others do that and, and so on and so forth. Because if you're here today and you feel like you're not reliable, it's because you're not. But that doesn't mean you can't share good news about the only one who ever was. It doesn't mean you can't share good news about the only one who ever was. Heck, Peter wasn't reliable. Paul said, even after he followed Jesus, eh, the things I'm trying to stop doing, I can't stop doing, and the things I want to do, I can't do them. 
Now, I will know he does say reliable man, so he means something by this. Like in, he's referencing to the elders, their qualifications for elders he's going to refer to in this uh, after this. But here's something I want to present to you. I think that when he means reliable man, I think he's saying it's because they are reliable because they're going to pass it on. They're going to pass it on with what they say. They're going to pass it on with how they live. And everyone in this room should strive to live those lives that he then lays out after this as the qualification for elders. Okay? Because they're going to pass on the good news through word and through deed. So here's my challenge for you this morning. I want you to ask yourself a question. And if you get a pen, there's pens in the seats in front of you. And if you have a pen in your hand, I'd prefer you use that. Read it out. Here's what I want you to ask. It's write on something. Hopefully you got a bulletin when you came in. Take out a piece of something, take your gum wrapper, I don't care what it is. I want you to ask yourself the, the question, who are you specifically helping to follow Jesus? Or, or a name of someone that you might, that God might have in your life that you could start to help follow Jesus. And if you're looking at me, you don't have a pen in your hand, that's okay. You know, you, you know just call you Moses on that and say, no, I don't want to send someone else. Okay, like, but, but here's the deal. Who is it? Write that name down. At least one, maybe more. And then begin to pray and say, God, how can I help this person or these people follow your son, Jesus? That is the application for the morning, folks. It could be a coworker, a friend, a classmate, a teammate, a neighbor, a family member. So take, take a second, write that name down, begin praying for them, that God would move in your heart to be obedient to this. And some of you are being obedient to this. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I talked to a gal who is uh, a nurse, and she's at her nurse's station with her coworkers, trying to, to talk about the Scriptures, trying to bring the Scriptures in as they sit around the nurse's station. We've got some business owners here who are trying to host kind of like small group dialogues over lunch and facilitate those things. We've got some of you, a couple here built a, put a mailbox up, like a different mailbox in their yard, so they could receive prayer requests from their neighbors. And they're getting prayer requests and praying for their neighbors. We've got folks here who um, are, are, are tradesmen or tradeswomen. They're, they're under the hood of a car. They're under the sink. They're on a roof. And they're talking to their clients and customers about Jesus, trying to help them follow Jesus. We've got social workers and doctors who are offering to pray for their clients and their patients. I just met, um, I, I just met Jolene. She's sitting right here. Can you raise your hand, Jolene? Jolene is uh, visiting us from uh, Crossroads Community Church in Sheboygan, and I introduced myself to her, and she told me a quick story. You want to know what it is? Chris and Jessica Daly, they just left with Matthew Sullivan, their new baby. Uh, uh, They uh, are going to be part of a small group, maybe even lead a small group. Six years ago or so, Jessica was um, getting a massage from Jolene, this gal right here. And Jolene started, while she was massaging her, talking about Jesus, because that's what Jolene does, because she's been entrusted to good news. She's got to share it. So she shares it with Jessica. Jessica places her faith in Jesus Christ. She meets Chris, her husband. Chris places his faith in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jolene, for sharing that story. I could go on and on. This is glimpses of our gospel purpose. To help others follow Jesus. Now, if you're here this morning um, and you want to engage in this, another step that you could take is if you take out a Connect card and you could just write down one of two things or both, you could say, I want to help others follow Jesus. Or I want someone else to help me follow Jesus. Some of you in here, you don't know, you, you don't even know yet what the gospel is, okay? You've told me. I've sat down with you, and that's okay. We're glad you're here. We want to have you hear the gospel over and over again. But some of you are like, you need to have someone walk alongside you. And some of you are so, you're, you're, you're here, 
And maybe you've never had a chance in your life to help walk alongside someone else. We want to pair those people up. I got to be honest. I don't have a good system for that yet. Just being honest. We're working it out. It's going to be a little clunky. But we have to begin moving in that direction because it's not, that's, you may think that it's my job to disciple all of you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Jesus had 12 guys. Okay. So we need to be the body being the body. We're going to talk more about that again next week as well. Here's how I'd like to close. At the end of the day, when we engage in our gospel purposes, the only way that we can do that is if we go back to verse 1 here in 2 Timothy chapter 2. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The only way that Timothy is going to be able to do what Paul is asking him to do is if he's strong in the grace of Christ Jesus. And more literally, a better translation, quite frankly, is the words, be strengthened. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The only way that Timothy can do what Paul is asking him to do. So the only way that, I, that you're going to do what, what we want to do as a family here is if you are being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if I, I would love to show you what be strengthened looks like, but here's a nerdy fact. The word there for strengthened is not the normal Greek word used for strengthened. It's a word that's only found in the Bible and in other church literature. And I think there's a reason. Because there was no other word in the Greek language that could actually, actually communicate what Paul is writing here about being strengthened. Why? Because it's not natural strength. It is supernatural strength that is needed from Jesus Christ by His grace. That we would be strengthened by grace, the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Because the good news has grace enough for us. Grace enough for us when we feel like we're screaming downhill at an 85 degree angle. Grace enough for us when we feel like we're hypocrites. Grace enough when we feel like we are inadequate and insufficient. Grace enough for our sins. Grace enough for our shortcomings. May we be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus so that we may live on mission for Him. That we may help others follow Him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, I get so excited. I get so excited, Lord. Because this is what you've, you've called us to through your son Jesus. Lord, that we would engage in this, that we would be part of writing the chapter that you're writing, this new chapter. That, that there be people who don't follow you, don't know you, that we'd be a part of walking alongside them. Father, I pray, if anyone in this room is feeling inadequate, that they would, they would have a chance to have a moment with you and experience the good news that they are inadequate, that all of us are inadequate, but that your son Jesus is inadequate enough on our behalf. Father, if there's, if, if there's some of us who are fearful of that, Lord, may we not want to point people towards us because we're going to mess that up. But we, may we point people to your son Jesus who is perfect. He's the only one worth the risk. He's the only one worth the time and the energy. And he's the only one worthy of our lives. May we worship Father, may we be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And in so doing, then, may we entrust this good news, this gospel, to others who may entrust it to others as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.